Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Part of a Ponzi scheme. We are? Yeah. Marxism is a Ponzi scheme. Oh, yeah? Uh, Are you referring to that tweet by that guy? Uh, It's a lady congresswoman to you. Oh. Lauren Babbert. Is that her name? Is that the one that everyone talks about? She's the QAnon lady. Okay, yeah, that lady. They mostly talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, okay, that's who I was asking. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's two of them. There's, yeah. I mean, there are two of them. And we are the leaders of a Ponzi scheme. Leading people to give us their money. We're going to take it. We're Mm going to say we're going to redistribute it, but then we're not. And then we're going to keep it. Well, actually, I think the uh, premise is that a Ponzi scheme is kind of taking someone's money and giving it to someone else is generally what they're saying. Yeah. Well, we're going to give it to like people in charge, I guess. The global elites. We're going to give it to the global elites. Yeah. That's who we're going to give it to. Marxism is the greatest Ponzi scheme ever devised. That's how you put it. Bill Crystal had the best take. Oh, yeah. Where he went through who Ponzi was. Okay. Compared it and said Marxism has done much worse for humanity than any influence by Ponzi. Ponzi was just some dude. Like maybe 80 people were involved. I I don't know that. Well, the idea is this, you know, idea that... uh, to do a Ponzi scheme has influenced others to do a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Where Marx also influenced others to do Marxism. Oh, wow. Wait, I'm getting persuaded. Yeah. <laughs> Marx told others to things. do Marxisms, and that led to death and destruction and, you know, the flourishing of states that then wanted to destroy freedom. So it is kind of like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I mean, and like, I, I get what they're saying. It's just wrong, and I don't care. Wait, I know. We all know that. Everyone really? knows that. We're all in this knowing that it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been on a klezmer kick lately. With, uh, yeah, Duolingo Yiddish coming out. Just all bleeds into different things. Okay, all right. What would an Anglo-Saxon caucus look like? Oh, yeah. What are these Anglo-Saxon political traditions? Yeah. Yeah, what's that from, too? 
That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Oh, okay. She says, or she's part of a group where they are looking to preserve the quote-unquote Anglo-Saxon political traditions. Hilarious. Yeah, considering that, like, specifically the Anglo-Saxon political traditions were displaced by Norman political traditions in 1066, that's the whole point. Yeah. And the other interesting part is that Anglo-Saxon systems put emphasis on compromise and arbitration. Well, yeah, it was a lot of just, you should pay this guy money because you murdered his son. For the listeners that don't know, what happened in 1066? There was something about a Norman invasion, right? Yeah, this guy named Norm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Invasion. He was, um, it's actually, that's just a shortening of Norm and them. So, uh, yeah. Norm and them, and well, uh, they... Norm uh, showed up at a bar and yeah. he was like where everyone knew his name where everyone knew his name and he's like give me a beer and then they were like go Red Sox and that was basically the Norman conquest go Red Sox yeah like what's the Anglo-Saxon tradition that we're supposed to I be mean, rooting for here it's just, just a clever way of saying white people yeah or, it's not even a clever because again like if you're going by like you know, as a lawyer who went to law school and understands what the general historiography of, like, legal genealogy in the popular academia is, it, it stems from Normans, not Anglo-Saxon. Oh, the first time you said it, I thought you said Mormons. I was very oh, no, confused no, for no, a half a second. from North France, Normandy. Yeah, I know that now. I was like, why are the Mormons in 1066? That's like recent. Well, because their religion is correct and Jesus already visited America at that time. Mm -hmm. I would like to see a Mormon caucus also have them battling the Anglo-Saxon caucus and just get real religious tribalism on this. Yeah, Joseph Smith did try to create a uh, tradition he called theodemocracy. How'd that work out for him? A few low-level wars with the United States until eventually the Mormon stranglehold on Utah politics was crushed uh, through military force, and it was incorporated into the rest of the U.S. Yeah, I no, mean, I they, mean got, they got Utah, so... I mean, yeah, on well, them. prior to like Utah actually becoming a part of the United States, it was this weird fucking like what they called a theodemocracy, but like was very much a theocratic government. In the yeah, because the Mormons did go there and settle it intentionally. Yeah, and like part of the plan. Literally, every elected official was basically handpicked by church leadership until what are called in history the Mormon Wars and the Utah Wars were two subsequent wars the U.S. fought against Utah. Okay, if the Anglo-Saxons caucus broke off and started a war, who would they be fighting? Would they be fighting the Mormons? I would think the Normans or the, the Britannans, depending on when this is. Well, it's 2021. And who are today's Normans? People from Normandy? <laughs> Normandy is still a place. Saxony is still a place. All these places still exist. I don't know. We're all just from the Caucasus. 
Bunny, who do you think they would fight? Probably some uh, trans-dimensional demons that they summoned by accident. Oh, yeah. They're fighting the Jewish space lasers. If we're talking about 2021 possibilities. They're fighting... Grendel. Yeah. Grendel's mother. 2.0. Well, that's Grendel's mother. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> there already was a Grendel 2.0. Yeah. And then there was a dragon who, in the book, Grendel talked about nihilism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was one of the better Pokemon. <laughs> nihilism? I mean, in general, I see this as just like evolved versions of Pokemon that Beowulf has to fight. Have you read Grendel the novel? I read Beowulf. Yeah, no, because my English teacher, we uh, read Beowulf just to read Grendel, which was actually quite good. Like, just this sort of philosophical uh, novel written from Grendel's perspective. Oh, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I'm actually surprised you haven't heard of it. Yeah, no, uh, I, I knew that it came up. I mean, you know, I last read it in high school, but yeah, my teacher like absolutely uh, sold it to us as, yeah, I hate Beowulf too, but you're going to read it because we have to. And also I'm going to make you all read Grendel next, which I actually like quite a bit. <laughs> Is it the first book? No, Beowulf being the ancient poem. Right. Grendel is a 1971 novel. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, it's uh, totally... Well, it's isn't like, it considered like the first story that was written down in general, Beowulf? Uh, I mean, that would be... It, that, no. Ridiculous, Steve. What, yeah, no, no. What and like, Bunny's going to be really angry at you for this. <laughs> <laughs> because like everything written in, in, in English literature. Okay, yes. In the no, English, yes, in English language, yes. But, you know, it's like... I'm amending that yard. statement. I'm yes, a, in I'm the... A, Gilgamesh, I think, it's is old English. typical wrong yes. answer for the uh, first written thing ever. Well, I know the first novel, official novel, is Robinson Crusoe. Um, excuse me, do you not know what the first written thing is? Well, isn't the first novel uh, that Japanese shit, Tales of Genji? Again, English novel okay. is Robinson Crusoe. I'm in the Anglosphere. Crusoe, yes. I'm in the Anglosphere here because I'm in the Anglo-Saxon caucus defending okay. my Anglo-Saxon genealogy here. Which I, of country, right? I feel like goes back to the Vikings. I feel like if you're going to defend Anglo-Saxon, you're secretly talking about the Vikings. But isn't even the term Anglo-Saxon itself yeah, a contrivance? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, and also the Vikings were like, absolutely different people than the Anglo-Saxons. Yeah. Anglo-Saxon is like a purposeful, like the elites of this land were like, we're gonna make up a new group that we all are. Because they were all disparate Germanic tribes and fucking... Yeah, the Germans invaded the Britonics who then got invaded by the Normans and uh, then England or whatever. And then the Vikings invaded later. Yeah. I'm looking at a book called Saxons, Vikings, and Celts. But yeah, check out the 1971 uh, novel Grendel. Grendel. So if you've never come across it, it's definitely worth a look. Grendel, according to the author, is modeled on Sartre. Uh, Well, he kind of looks like more like a frog than a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no, actually, I could see the like argument for just, yeah, he's the swamp monster. 
of philosophy. Okay. <laughs> Grendel wasn't a dragon. Grendel was a swamp beast, probably mm-hmm. a giant, uh, but he is famously not really described that much. The dragon was different. I could definitely see Sardra hanging out in a swamp. And having that weird, Jewy relationship with his mom. And his partner, right? Yeah. I know that they were infamous for like having a open relationship. Oh yeah, no, yeah. that's like. And then he wrong. just fucked all his students. Yeah, you know, as you oh. do in like 1950. As you do in every philosophy department through the modern day. Yeah. And especially if you write like a lady boner of a book called Being in Nothingness. Yeah, that's that's what gets them. That's what gets them wet. Mm. <laughs> right there. That's That'll do it. Or or Should even better. Existence before essence. Le nausea. You're in a bar, this dude walks up to your girl and says existence precedes essence. What do you do? What do you do? Uh, I don't know. Fuck him. Especially if you're like 15 or whatever. <laughs> I, I, Wasn't there scandal like also his wife would go out and procure these women for him? Yeah, no, they absolutely had some French shit going on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, did De Beauvoir? Yeah, De Beauvoir. Who was, they were together. Wait, who was Frida Kahlo with? Diego. Didn't Frida, Frida Kahlo also have an ugly boyfriend who they both... Did Frida Kahlo fuck Sartre? Let's find out. I, I want to know. My Frida Kahlo uh, knowledge is, I do always refer to the some Hayek movie. Mm-hmm. I know De Beauvoir is like the life partner. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I guess not. They just hung out a bunch. As you do with like the only 10 so-called Western socialist philosophers. Yeah, no, in the 1960s, in- like the only thing to do was just hang out with like Che Guevara, Simon De Beauvoir, and Frida Kahlo in Mexico. Or go on boating trips with... Che Guevara? Uh, I wasn't sure if you were... Weren't they on a boating trip for a famous picture with Castro as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I was thinking of the uh, Grama, the boat that Guevara and Castro invaded Cuba with. Yeah, always hanging out in boats. Well, welcome to Pinko Commie Sluts, where we're discussing... Hey, Tom, I didn't know you were a boatsman. It's a line from Tom Goes to the Mayor. That uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What else? Everything is depressing. I don't know. Everything is pretty it's depressing. Just fucking people dying. I can't turn on the TV without just people dying. There was like three shootings today, and like mm-hmm. ten this week. Every how's, day. Uh, how's New York handling the protests? I haven't seen any. Oh. Are there? Are there any in New York? I didn't. I am at, not I'm, aware. Yeah, I mean, there's always something going on, but um, yeah, I mean, it's kicking up again, and we're about to have the shift inverted. Yeah, I've heard that. I just they're not marching down my street. Bush I mean, I Avenue. just imagine between, uh, I mean, Chicago at least. Yeah, it hasn't really seen any interest here. Just heard about it through the wind. And uh, Midwest Brooklyn looks like a fucking police state. Midwest. Yeah, Brooklyn, oh, Center. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center in Minnesota. Yeah, right? I, I got really uh, very little to contribute to that. No, the only thing I got is tramp stamps. 
Oh, yes, the band you're into suddenly. Yeah, ironically and very into for 10 minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's philosophic connotations to them, so. All of them, yeah. There's signs and signifiers at work. They're like Milli Vanilli for the 21st century. I don't know if I would go that far. At least Milli Vanilli got a Grammy. Yeah, Milli Vanilli had to give back, which is bullshit. Milli yeah. Vanilli was just live action gorillas. What? Milli Vanilli was Oh, 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 oh. I thought Gorillas with a Z. Yeah, okay. But they had real people that performed gorillas. Yeah, sure. Yes, and real people also sang Milli Vanilli songs. Yeah, but like live performances, they didn't. It was lip syncing, which was like mind blowing to somebody in the 80s. How can they do that? Uh, I think it was early 90s, even. Um, Yeah. Remember the Hannah Montana on uh, fucking Saturday Night Live? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that shit ruled. I thought it was her her sister, right? Miley Cyrus's sister? Yeah. Noah Cyrus? I forget when they tried to do that. You mean Ashley Simpson? Oh, that solves all of our fucking (laughs) brain damage. Okay. (laughs) Who is Jessica? Younger sister. I I just know that she started doing the jig dance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, She started jigging. Yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about the Simpsons. Those Simpsons. Forgot all about them existing. (laughs) But yeah, Tramp Stamps, major controversy. Yeah, explain this. On the TikTok. Otherwise, I'm going to start talking chess drama. (laughs) All right. There's this band, pop punk chicks, and they had a song called I'd Rather Die, which awesome. And their main hook was I'd rather die than sleep with another white cis guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bop. Then Reddit started digging into their past and they're signed by Dr. Luke, who I didn't know anything about until Bunny told me all about it. Yeah, Dr. Luke sucks. Yeah, actually. I mean, well, he person. doesn't, he's a terrible person, but obviously he doesn't suck at producing music. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or not facing consequences for his actions. That's true. Yeah. Free catch well, up. Yeah, the Kesha controversy. And these girls all kind of look like Kesha or like early punk versions of Kesha, which was Kesha, I think. And they're all white cis girls and one of them's married. I don't know. They brand themselves as queer and have uh, like a very faux punk attitude and it's transparently this is my problem with the story the the transparently industry plant designation i hate this i hate this i hate this because industry plants are just like the industry working that's all it is yeah it's it's like like you with corruption marlo like right where corruption is just capitalism working correctly industry plant is just an effective corporate model for getting a band to make money which they are and by the way all this controversy is just I mean, it made me click on it, you know. It feels like it's a bunch of Zoomers kind of, like, learning what pop punk is for the first time after pop punk wasn't a thing for a little bit. Which is nice. Yeah, like, good for them. Good to have those realizations, and then you can listen to just hardcore that sounds unlistenable to. (laughs) Yeah, and I see them as, like, I don't know, weird Avril Lavigne, where they say everything a little bit too on the nose when it comes to rebellion. 
to the point where you're like, these people aren't being sincere. Pop. No. Yeah. Which is beautiful. I love the insincerity. I yeah. just love the insincerity. Of yeah, no, it's, it's like a McRib, you know, like you don't eat it because it tastes like rib. You eat it because it doesn't taste like rib. And anybody expecting sincerity doesn't know how this shit works. It's just great. Anyways, that's my two cents about the ladies. One of them's married. <laughs> the ladies. One of them's married. I'm standing and defending them despite their uh, obvious problematic qualities which i think it seems like dr luke is a terrible terrible human being but he also seems like the weinstein company of music he has produced a lot a lot of songs there like who bunny i don't know what he's done well other than raping kesha uh he did tiktok he did a bunch of Kelly Clarkson songs back in the day. He did Since You've Been Gone, mm. Behind These Hazel Eyes. Mm. Um, he did some Miley Cyrus songs, though, too. He did Wrecking Ball. Oh, shit. That was him? I think he did uh, Katy Perry. Yes, some Katy Perry songs he did. I Kissed a Girl. It just is kind of what did early some- 2010 sounded like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, fair enough. So he also worked with like Doja Cat. Like, it's not as if these girls are the only people who post the Kesha stuff coming out. Have some of this is like they're having songs come out. Who knows how long after they could have been aware of whatever. And I, I, I mean, in defense of the controversy, I will just say, like, it's fairly rich selling yourselves as, you know, countercultural products. And yeah, we all know it's bullshit. And then be produced by Dr. Fucking Luke, of all people. Is <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, fairly on the nose there. <laughs> See, that's my favorite part of it. Though. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, that's, like, you're just like, like trying to push this, like, queer chic line and like kind of like third wave feminist line and you're produced by dr luke well i put it in to my category of corporate anarchism which is a term i'm trying to make happen it's exactly what you just said the kind of co-opting of anti-capitalist or anti-authoritarian or anti this by clearly corporate sponsorship in order to produce capitalist realism, you know, and to have it be this kind of feedback loop between the anti and the production in order to produce more. And I listen to a lot of radio with alternative music, and I gotta say, it's pretty big right now to want to die and make alternative music. Like, all the songs I hear, there's one song that's called Serotonin by the Girls Wear Red or something, which is just like, the hook is my serotonin's running low. (laughs) Like, really? That's the Felix line after uh, Obama made his bizarre like rap is about getting like bling and bitches or whatever statement. And Felix is like, no, modern rap is if you're a dude, it's about wanting to take so much Xanax that you stop feeling anything. And if you're a chick, it's about how you're very horny. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which is kind of what this song is about. Um, it's not rap, 
But a lot of the rap on the alternative station is that kind of SoundCloud rap, which is... Yeah, I want to take a bunch of Xanax and yeah. not feel shit. Like, yeah. That's literally the... That's all the Post rap. Malone or the, the Machine yeah. Gun Kelly. We're all in our early 20s. We've all been going to therapy since we were eight years old. And uh, huh. and we all want to die. We all can relate to doing a shitload of Xanax. And for these girls to come out with their hit single called I'd Rather Die Than Sleep With Another Straight White Guy. It's it's just very on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it is like just Freudian death drive. This desire for destructive elements, um, or at least seeing things through this all or nothing, I'd rather die than blank, or if I do something then I'm going to die. You know, and all these alternative songs all have that. I was just listening to, uh, you know, and Offspring comes on. And it was a song, Self-Esteem, which is like just proto-incel anthem. Yeah. They all just want to die. And they have since like Kurt Cobain. No, that, that's the thing. They took a break in the early 2000s. And now it's coming back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, it went from Kurt Cobain, everyone wants to kill themselves, to then, like, the early 2000s, you have this very, like, capitalist realism end of history shit, where it's just like, oh, yeah, no, um, actually being commercial is cool, and yeah. everything rules, and just buy products and be happy, unironically, this is what you, you well, should do. also, Nirvana was that, too. Well, I mean, Nirvana was a, albeit somewhat feeble, protest against that, at least ostensibly, although it was also, of course, in Fisher's words, pre-corporated into that. Well, as Fisher pointed out, Kurt Cobain realized that the best protest against MTV was to do it on MTV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the ostensible conceit was all these things are bad, and then there was a point in the early 2000s right. 2010s where it's like oh actually all what? these things are good yeah and corporations are the most rebellious things and like let's stop being sad about stuff and just like hey this is shiny and cool don't you like shiny and cool things but now it's like corporations are endorsing the be depressed yeah which you know again like that's always been the sort of relationship but yeah well I mean now especially with like the wave of postmodern Twitter accounts by corporations like you just have Wendy's being like oh my god I want to slip my wrist today and yeah Steakums just Steakums actually does rule. Uh, I'll give Steakums their shit. Yeah, give them their Yeah, no, Steakums actually is cool. Steakums, like, calling Neil deGrasse Tyson out on his pop science bullshit. And then, like, also Steakums, I don't know if you saw this, but had this very long thread about how every corporate Twitter account post stating the obvious but um, how like every uh, corporate Twitter post is carefully calibrated to increase publicity and business in a positive manner including this one <laughs> it was like <laughs> Steakums is interesting in how they're going about it but um, there's definitely a schizophrenic aspect to like brands talking to you about life and stuff do you have any thoughts on this bunny I have lots of thoughts on this I hate it because it's one of these things that's creeped into normalcy that also I would take a job writing it in a minute, you know? 
<laughs> well, because they're the only ones that have money. Exactly. <laughs> the only ones, literally the only people that will pay you are these people, which is why I don't give these poor girls that I'm standing right now so hard. I don't mm-hmm. blame them because yeah. there yeah. is no alternative. Yeah, Bonnie, are you giving your honest thoughts about Michael Shea and the writing of Saturday Night Live? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say, did you call him Michael Shea? Michael Shea Guevara. (laughs) I don't know. It's C-H-E. I'm not, I don't care how you pronounce that. He says Yeah, okay, cool. Like, whatever. It's a crapshoot. Your name's C-H-E. I'm going to pronounce it however I'm going to pronounce it. And I hold the same thing with Shea Guevara. So you would take a job for Steakums, Bunny? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But see, I just, I can't. I would take that job, but I wouldn't be great at it because I'd want to say something not good for yeah, the brand. Yeah, but like that will point. be ultimately good for the brand. I mean, like again, you should look at Steakums account. Well, if it was literally Steakums, yes, because that's part of their yeah. online presence, pretty much. Like, Steakums' way to harm their brand is just to like promote Steakums, honestly. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly, I recall that Steakums patented a cut of beef. They were the first ones to cut beef from a certain part of the cow. Which part? I don't know. Probably yeah. some butt part. Uh, anyway, my weird parasocial obsession has, of course, been the chess drama, which is being called the drama in the online chess circles. <laughs> yes, I'm privy to this to some degree. It's just funny because there's just these fucking weirdos who live in the world and exist and (laughs) they're fighting with each other and then like a video from 2018 in the middle of some like lawn in suburban St. Louis popped up of these two chess grandmasters having a fist fight yeah no it's pretty great so who won the fight? Eric Hansen did and this podcast is very team Eric Hansen team chess bras yeah Naka sucks yeah Hikaru Nakamura is we're calling you out man yeah, no, we were fighting with the Karanagamura. But yeah, it was also if you saw the fight, it was one of those like fights where it happens when like a much less good at fighting but very belligerent drunk challenges a guy who actually knows how to fight to a fight. So the guy who knows how to fight doesn't want to hurt him, but like also needs to have the fight because otherwise it's never going to get settled. So the fight was basically just Eric Hansen got Hikaru Nakamura in a chokehold immediately (laughs) as Nakamura flailed around and failed. That was back in 2018. The current fight started when Hikaru Nakamura got pissed off that Hansen flagged him in a bullet game and just went from there. Is anyone writing the tabloid about, is there a okay, tabloid? I will say there's the Naroditsky statement, the Hansen statement, the Feingold statement. There's like been several statements both on YouTube and written down, and I've literally read all of them. I've been obsessed with this shit for like a week now. But I will say, mm-hmm. Bunny, I totally have this Christopher Guest idea. Yeah. Like Christopher Guest <laughs> in the chess world is this 
just untapped idea. There's like Rex Singfield, who's this 80-year-old billionaire who lives in St. Louis and liked chess, so he just decided to spend a bunch of money to make St. Louis the chess capital of the world, and he did that. And so now St. Louis is the chess capital of the world. And there's Kara Nakamura, this weird fucking dude who's been like one of the best chess players since he was 12 years old, and he's socially awkward and odd. There's Eric Hansen and Amon Hamilton, who are collectively known as the Chess Bras. And they, uh, back in 2015, really got the whole idea of chess on the internet off the ground by saying like, hey, what if we're like some Jersey Shore dudes who just play chess really good? And that's their entire brand. That's what they do. They play chess with like this blaring fucking techno music and they rule. You know, yeah, let's no. pitch it. The premises, uh, husband of Jamie. The premises, they all gather for this like major, like multi-level, like tournament as the pandemic's over, and they're having the celebration. And drama ensues from all these differing weird personalities and like odd backstories. I totally got this. Like, there's this Eric Hansen accused Hikaru Nakamura's social media manager of threatening his ex for ever getting Uh back together with Eric, she'd be cut out of any online promotion. There's so many, (laughs) like, just random shit that... And then, of course, she had to make a statement. Like, there's so much shit. It's crazy. Someone's gonna, like, deputize themselves, the one who's gonna do this. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I definitely, like, I have some (laughs) ideas. There's at least, like, some cool side characters... There's, like, the Shahadi siblings who um, are just these two dudes from Philly who are both not the best chess players in the world. One of them's definitely a professional poker player. The other one is this, like, major promoter, entrepreneur, kind of venture capital-y guy. And they're both super obsessed Mm -hmm. with CrossFit. And there's videos of them playing, like, chess where every time someone takes their piece, they have to do five burpees. And it's this brother and sister duo from Philadelphia called the Shahadi sibling, Jen and Greg Shahadi. They exist. They're real human beings that exist. (laughs) I've seen them. Greg regularly like writes articles about how like classical time controls are stupid and how if chess was invented today, it would all be blitz chess and that the chess world should move past classical time controls. And then like everyone gets in a huff about that. Greg just has these weird hot takes as he venture capitalists uh, invests in different like chess promotions. So he's like the Elon Musk of chess. Of, yeah. Of, yeah. Of chess. Uh, yeah. And like Jen Shahadi also has this like really like amusing like kind of lib feminist thing going she has a book out called play like a girl that is a chess book of noteworthy games but by all female grandmasters rather than like it's a very second wave feminist but chess idea that she likes to put forward yeah no it's like they're just like these neat characters who would fit perfectly well <laughs> and they're all the most awkward people I think. in the world. Yeah, That's the other thing that Marlo isn't emphasizing is that all of these people are just insufferable to be around in real life. As, I mean, like, as somebody fun. who, well, you also only know them through well, parasocial. Yeah, 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 yeah. like, these people, as somebody who grew up going to chess tournaments, they are just insufferable. Nobody talks to one another. Like, you're just wandering around 
hotel lobbies being awkward, like <laughs> teenage level of impotence and arrested development for all your life. There's like five women who everyone pines after and, you know, just toxicity reigns, but also like nobody looks at each other in the eyes because they're all just extremely nerdy people who are there because their parents put them through hellish training when they were like six years old. And yeah, it would be great for Christopher Guest because the same people that Christopher Guest is really good at introducing are kind of driven sociopathic people who don't have any self-awareness of how which is in, very yeah, like yeah. like best in show is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, like you go to the chess world championship and you follow everybody on their journey to get there. Right, and you you know have these awkward interactions, and I mean it would have to be well written, but yeah. That's yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. I, I was thinking show. like it would be like this kind of mega tournament at the equivalent St. Louis Chess Club where you would have the like super grandmaster bracket like in like a Singfield Cup thing. But then you'd have tiers below that, which would go all the way down to you would have drama between the scholastic level, like the 12 year olds with just the pushy parents. Yeah. You'd have that kind of drama and yeah. this like whole like chess mom drama going on. You'd have the stream. Well, that, that was searching for Bobby Fisher. Right. Like the father pushing. Right. The setting though would just be this like, hey, we're having this celebration and we're celebrating it by having just this tournament where everyone's there. We're going to have a special like media star section of the tournament of all the chess streamers. So those would be the more like socially savvy, but also just sociopathic businessmen like people. You would have the super GMs who would think of themselves as gods and just be aloof and assholes to everyone. You would have the little kids mm. who are like getting abused by their parents and just have like all these different dramas happening at multiple tiers was my idea. Yeah, and the other aspect of uh, chess players is a lot of them are uh, Euro trash. Like a lot of them are just like the extreme oh, like, yeah, Euro like trash <laughs> or Chinese. Oh let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. There's a increase large so. contingency of people yeah. making the go to chess leap of faith. Yeah, no, they, China like decided to start playing chess in the 1980s, and now they have several very strong players and kind of their own school, uh, and they are an emerging thing within the chess world. We said chess world. Well, yes, they're an emerging thing in the world. Well, yes, that's it. We're, we're not going to be one of those podcasts. We're just going to talk about it in metaphor, how there's a creeping China influence. Yeah, no, they're, um, yep. <laughs> you know, it might even yep. rival the chess people in America who have long seen themselves as the top nation for chess yeah, masters, the metaphor kind of falls apart there because America never yeah, viewed it itself does. that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the chess moms can compete with, you know, like the dance moms right. of but the like, world. Yeah, again, this controversy it's is... It's mostly dads. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's dads, for one thing. It's all their dads bringing their shit kids and telling them that if they don't win this game, they're not going to be worth anything in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it sucks. 
Those people are just awful. Anyway, candidates tournament restarts tomorrow after being put on yeah. hold for a year. So that's also happening. Bunny, have you been Jokerfied this week? Well, I super did not like the Anglo-Saxon political tradition thing because um, I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene could name one Anglo-Saxon. But the aspect that Jokerfies me is not even all the implications of that and et cetera. It's that I hate it when people just conflate all different kinds of historical because, periods. Again, all white people came from the Caucasus. We know that. It's in the name. I hate it. I watched um, on HBO Max uh, the four-part series uh, Exterminate All the Brutes, which, of course, takes its title from Heart of Darkness. The doc was good. It's about how whiteness developed, no, which is no. one of my favorite topics. That's like the opposite of a jokeification. That's just me feeling fueled up with more facts to yell at a racist uh, before I inevitably murder them. Because you know what, guys? Which, which would honestly feelings, uh, don't would, care about your would facts. Honestly, be the most jokerified thing about you if you murdered them. <laughs> yeah. That's the final that form. That is true. You mostly mm -hmm. think about jokerifying and you're putting on the paint, but really. The pain is only just, it's a lead up to you with a gun in your hand in a subway with three frat bros and you being like, well, what do I do with this? And I'm like, you don't even know what Brett Valda was. And they don't. And then, yeah. So I don't want to sound like I have a lot of knowledge about Anglo-Saxon things. I just know some history stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm feeling what would be like an old, exhausted, joker-fied. I'm just tired. And the world, I also want to die, little punk girls. <laughs> You'd rather die? Yeah, I'd rather die than, it's all bad. It's all shooty. And, you know, frankly, I can't even use my jokerfication for anything cool because they'll yeah. catch me, guys. Yeah. Let's face it. I'll write it down too much. I can't remember. I can't organize my thoughts without writing it down. <laughs> It's <laughs> a realization I did have this week. Also, I probably write it down digitally even. I yeah, did be. you publish something? <laughs> Just because it's convenient. Have you been publishing? I have some essays that I want to publish, but then um, I keep holding back. <laughs> I was about to, uh, but then I got confused about what had happened over. Uh, I was just going to put them up on Medium. And then I was like, wait, what happened at Medium with the editorial team and whatever? And then I went down a rabbit hole and I read a bench about that and did not publish the essays, which I feel like was a scheme. Yep. Because <laughs> that whole team didn't even know. They were still planning stuff. Yeah, I had two essays published on Medium recently about anarchism, and I'm thinking about writing nice. one about the punk girls. That'd be in my wheelhouse. Yeah, it'll go in your yeah, Avril Lavigne Yeah, my Avril Lavigne, Good Charlotte, Tramp Stamps series. Yeah, no, I mean, people are dying. That's cool. Uh, we're getting out of Afghanistan on September 11th. Johnson and Johnson. I don't know if we want to talk about that, Bunny, but Oh God. That definitely um felt terrible. That's the one I got. So 
It's not much you can do. Actually, that should have been my jokeification, w- is uh, how we don't I have I was going to bring it up, but I wasn't sure. And yeah, that did seem like something that jokerified you earlier on this week. Yeah, no, I was really upset because I was just imagining that if I did have symptoms, because I am a higher risk of blood clots, so and I got the Johnson Johnson vaccine. So if I did have symptoms, I'd have to go to the, the emergency room and I don't have insurance. So then I'd just be signing up for some medical debt. And um, that all seemed very unfair mm. to me personally, even though I thus far feel okay. But uh, yeah, I did get sort of panic attacky about it, about mm. the possibility, which I did not like, which I think I felt the most upset because it it had crossed my mind to possibly not get this Johnson & Johnson only because I knew it wasn't an mRNA vaccine. It was similar to how AstraZeneca was developed. So I was like, it had crossed my mind, but then I like, everything said it was, oh, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't pursue uh, one of the two-dose ones. And then I was like, God damn it. And then every, like, little twinge for, like, 48 hours, I was like, is it a clot? So, yeah, that wasn't fun. I didn't like it. We should all have health care. Because I don't even have a primary care doctor, you know? There's nobody I can call who's familiar with my chart who can be like, well, for you, look out for this and blah, blah, blah. Though I do want to say somebody I went to high school with who is a doctor did reach out to me about my specific blood thing and told me some stuff that made me feel a little better. But, you know, you can't rely that just somebody that you kind of know who's a doctor or whatever is going to like give you, you know, even be able to answer a couple questions. So the injustice of it all was infuriating. And yeah, definitely. You know what? It, it was my jokerification. It jokerified me so hard that I forgot that that happened this week. Yeah, time is a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry that it hit you so hard. Yeah. It's okay. I survived. And I'm still watching The Nanny. So I'm um, feeling pretty good. I'll put it that way. Do you think that it was overblown, the response to the six blood clots? I don't care necessarily because I did get kind of pissed off because people were like, actually, your risk of blood clots with birth control is like bazillion times more than what the shot is. And I'm like, yeah, I don't take hormonal birth control for this exact reason. I don't need to talk about the like absolute statistics and whatever, because what's happening is I am having to rely on myself to advocate when uh, I'm not an expert about whatever's going on in my blood, etc. And this is very frustrating. And um, if they had the abundance of caution earlier on, I could have just avoided the Johnson & Johnson shot. It does seem that these six blood clots are highly unusual. Like, even with my... It's not as if these were necessarily right. predictable it, in any it seems context. seems like, you know... Um, Yeah, we did kind of accelerate the approval process for these vaccines. There was a strong argument for doing so, but that doesn't mean there aren't any costs to doing that. I'm not even necessarily concerned about 
that aspect because it right. wasn't an option. Yeah, no, have, exactly. Um, you know, it's you know like, yeah, I mean? like, to me, the conversation of like, is it overblown or not? It's like, no, we don't. We kind of accelerated the approval process. Something's cropping up. It deserves a second look. And that's what they're doing. There was a perfectly good reason to accelerate the approval process. And that was the right call. But that doesn't mean like just because it's the right call, there isn't still a reason why we normally don't do that. Well, yeah, precisely. When I was getting nervous, um, there were a couple people who obviously assumed that I was simply panicking on some like anti-science bullshit. And I just got to tell you, everyone, fuck off. First of all, uh, almost none of y'all do anything in this capacity in your profession. (laughs) If you're really concerned about people being vaccine hesitant or whatever, don't be a bitch. I've already received the vaccine. Uh, It felt very bad to just have it be this amorphous kind of we're putting it on pause and it's blood clots and not like, hey, if you're at a higher risk, this is what to look out for, etc. As being like the information being pushed out. Some people definitely implied that people by this story were sort of participating in being anti-vax. And certainly I did see some people doing that. But honestly, fuck them. Like, 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 fuck you if you're being smarmy, but also fuck you if you're anti-vax and you're like, see, fuck off, dude. Yeah. You know what? Now I hope it gives me super strength and I fucking can uppercut you into the sky. Like, I just, (laughs) this is just the most boring timeline or so far this time frame when uh, I guess we're all just jabbing people with these vaccines, seeing what's going to happen and opening at limited capacity. I don't know, guys. Me too. That's all I got. Fuck them. I think that's a good way to end it. This has been the Xanax episode. Yeah. I yeah. always black out when I take Xanax. FYI. Well, because yeah, I also drink is Xanax? the problem. <laughs> True. I mean, uh, no, don't I do think that. we're saying Listeners. to do that, do exactly that and then listen to this episode. It makes it a lot better. Yeah, this is Go, uh, lo-fi. Get to, <laughs> get to, get to the end one. of the episode, decide to take Xanax. <laughs> Ooh, that drink. would be a fun project for Matt. He should, and the, he should and, do and a then, cut of this episode that's all to lo-fi. Yeah. (laughs) Pinko Kami sluts, lo-fi beats to study to. Study study slash relax. Study to. I don't know. Study and chill. To read communism to. To To read Mm -hmm. all about communism. Beautiful. Yeah. Bye. 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 Pinko Kami sluts, lo-fi beats to (laughs) 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 study and chill. Kami sluts, lo-fi beats.
read mm-hmm. all about communism. Mm-hmm. <laughs>